Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Holy smokes, this is nasty stuff. Nature's deadliest organisms. This parasite feasts on flesh. They can hijack our bodies. I'm just literally hyperventilating. Disable our immune systems. This is the kind of stuff kids die from. And eat us from within. That's when it really hit me. For those infected, they are the monsters inside me. 28-year-old Kirsten Jensen lives just outside Vancouver, Canada. She has a career in medical technology. I always loved science. I had exposure to a lot of marine biology at a very young age, and then I went into science because I just found that that was the greatest way to solve a puzzle. The main focus of my entire career has been to help make a difference in someone's life, whether it be on a singular level or whether it be on a broader medical research level. But science is not her only interest. I developed a love of travel and decided to travel as many places as I could in the world. Anything from tropical beaches to, you know, beautiful castles in Europe. It's early March. Kirsten has just returned from a trip to Belize. I was getting ready for work and noticed that I had a mosquito bite. It was about a quarter inch in diameter, red, inflamed. The mosquito bite was in a weird spot. Um, it was about an inch and a bit from my bikini line. At first, I wasn't really all that concerned because I do get mosquito bites. Um, usually, they stick around for a few weeks. It's not uncommon. Kirsten heads to the office and carries on with her day. But the next morning, she notices something peculiar about the bite. It was a little bit different than any other bite I'd had before. This one had a little hole on the top. The hole is about the size of a head of a pin. I thought it was a bit strange because mosquito bites generally don't have holes on top, but I didn't think too much of it because it just looked red, but it didn't hurt. I was waiting for it to go away on its own. Later in the day, Kirsten finds herself in an awkward situation. I was sitting at work at my desk and it was getting really itchy and I'm sitting there trying to figure out how I'm going to itch this without being, you know, a little bit crude about it. 
And I did get a chance to scratch it. And it was really one of those good scratches where you think that, oh, that's not probably a good idea. A few hours later, she notices something puzzling. If you scratch a mosquito bite, you'd expect there to be a scab of some sort forming, at least a little bit of one, but there wasn't any. It was not healing at all. For the rest of the day, Kirsten tries to hide her scratching. The following morning, she is getting ready for work. I'm in the shower. I go to shave my legs like I normally do. I was noticing that it was pretty inflamed, so I just avoided it altogether and definitely didn't shave near the area because you don't want to inflame the skin more than it needs to be. I was looking at it more and thinking, maybe this is not just a regular mosquito bite. Maybe this is just a simple ingrown hair. An ingrown hair occurs when the hair curls underneath the follicle in the skin. It sometimes occurs in areas that are frequently shaved. For the time being, I, I went to work and, you know, went on with my day and went on with my daily life. But a few days later, a new symptom stops her cold. I was walking down the street. It was a beautiful day out. And all of a sudden, there's this stabbing pain. And I was just incapacitated. I'm the girl walking down the street that all of a sudden doubles over in pain. It felt like a red-hot poker. It was just felt like something just stabbed me, hit a nerve, and it was just a very odd feeling I had never had before. There's something completely going wrong with this. This is not just your standard ingrown hair. When I finally was able to stand up, I walked a little bit further, and about three minutes later it happened again, and I doubled over. It just came out of nowhere. And I picked up my cell phone and I called the doctor and said, I need to see you. A few days later, Kirsten's appointment rolls around. I went to see my doctor and I explained the stabbing pain that I had. And he said, well, that's not normal. The doctor thought it was just an ingrown hair that likely had gotten infected. When an ingrown hair becomes infected, white blood cells flood the damaged tissue, forming pus. To confirm his suspicion, the doctor recommends an invasive procedure. He said, let's see if I can potentially cut it a little bit to see if we can get the pus out. Kirsten braces herself. He injected me with lidocaine to numb the area. And then he comes and gets a small scalpel and just cuts the very top to see if he can get something coming out of it. I'm watching him slice it and nothing is coming out. It's just clear fluid. You'd expect with an inflammation like that, you'd see some dead white cells and pus. The doctor thought it was very odd that nothing came out of it. As a precaution, the doctor puts Kirsten on a course of antibiotics. Three days later, while getting ready for bed, Kirsten checks on the status of the wound. And I'm like, well, I'll just check in and see if anything's changed. I noticed that there's something white on top and it's very odd. I wasn't certain, but it almost seemed like something moved. I'm horrified. I was... Just thought, I, I, am I hallucinating? It's been a really long day at work, and it's 12 hours at work plus commuting. Maybe I'm not seeing something correctly. Maybe I didn't see that. Concerned something more sinister is going on, Kirsten heads to the ER. There, she expresses her fears about the mysterious bump to the on-call doctor. I don't think he fully believed me when I said that I thought I saw movement. He pushed on it with his hands, kind of pushed around it, asked how much pain I had. The whole time I was thinking, am I just being paranoid? Did I see something? Maybe I didn't see what I thought I saw. The doctor said, keep taking the antibiotics. 
We just think it's a simple abscess that should resolve on its own. I was pretty sure that wasn't what was going on, but I didn't know what it was. Doctors put a bandage on the wound and send Kirsten home. After a sleepless night, she staggers into the living room. I remember quite vividly, it was about 6 a.m. I thought, I'm going to take another look. I lift the bandage off and I see this little white tube that clearly retracts into my leg. There was no hallucination this time. It clearly retracted. As in, it was there and it was gone. I started screaming. I'm freaking out. I cannot breathe properly. I'm just literally hyperventilating. Kirsten rushes right back to the hospital. There, Dr. Sheldon Glazer takes on her case. Kirsten came to our emergency room complaining of a lump. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. On her thigh, on an observation of the lump, there was no movement that I could see. However, he still takes down her medical history. One of the first things he asked me was, okay, where have you been traveling recently? And I said, well, I've been to Belize. For Dr. Glazer, this is the key that leads him to a stunning diagnosis. She had a parasite living inside her. She had a botfly larva. The botfly larva is a maggot that thrives under the skin. Inside Kirsten's body, the maggot burrows into the tissue under her skin. There, it feeds on blood and living cells and grows in size. 
to prevent itself from being pulled out, the maggot uses a set of jagged spines that hook onto Kirsten's flesh, leading to her raised lesion, irritation, and stabbing pains. I was just horrified it was in my body. I can deal with it in somebody else's body or reading about it in a paper, but in my body, I didn't want it there. Botfly larvae have been known to grow to nearly an inch in length, and they can embed anywhere on the skin. They're typically found on the arms, legs, back, or scalp, but they've also been reported on eyelids, the tongue, and even on genitalia. Dr. Glazer tells Kirsten there's a natural way to get rid of botflies. Eventually, the botfly will exit on its own in about six to 12 weeks to which I said no. I was horrified and terrified at the thought of having to live with anything in my leg for longer than it absolutely needed to be there. Kirsten Jensen has a botfly larva living under her skin just by her bikini line. Kirsten is unwilling to wait for the creature to crawl out on its own. So Dr. Sheldon Glazer suggests another way to extract the maggot. We cover the wound with petroleum jelly, then put an airtight dressing on top of the petroleum jelly and tape that down. I had no idea what to expect, but almost immediately the breathing tube was moving around like crazy and it was spitting out little bits of stuff. Kirsten endures an agonizing 24 hours as she waits for the parasite to die. Then, Dr. Glazer removes the dressing. And there was a little bit of a tubular bit of maggot that was protruding from the top of this lump. We grasped this little bit of tubular maggot end and pulled on it. All of a sudden, this pain. And I go, oh, what, what, what did you just do? It was very sharp, it was very sudden. It required a little bit of force because the, the maggot's diameter is a little bit larger than the little hole at the top of the wound, but it came out of the wound. I was shocked that something that large came out of that small of a hole. There's a part of me that was absolutely repulsed by the fact that I had anything inside me, but I was also fascinating that evolution allowed us to have something that lived inside a human with spikes. What makes the botfly so amazing is its unusual reproductive strategy. The botfly hijacks a mosquito in mid-flight and lays its eggs on the mosquito's body using a special glue. When the mosquitoes bite a mammalian host, the heat from the mammal's body causes the glue to melt and the eggs fall onto the host's skin where they hatch into larvae. Then, the larvae enter the host's body through a hair follicle or the mosquito bite. Between five and 12 weeks later, they crawl out and transform into adult flies. Human botflies are native to Mexico and Central and South America. When we were in Belize, we really tried to make a very interesting vacation. So we started in the jungle. It was very hot, and before lunch, we're like, let's go in for a swim. And when I got out of the water and wasn't wearing any insect repellent, that's when I got bit. I literally got swarmed by mosquitoes. Before leaving the ER, 
Dr. Glazer gives Kirsten an unusual present. The maggot was placed in a small medical container and uh, given to Kirsten as a souvenir. There are all kinds of things that we give to patients as souvenirs of their stay in the emergency room. Uh, this was perhaps one of the weirdest. I named the botfly Bob with the middle name of Roe for a full name of Bob Roe Botfly. Today, Kirsten has fully recovered from her bout with the botfly. And despite this experience, she continues to travel the globe. I've not been back to Belize, but I would absolutely go back because it's a beautiful area. Next time I go to Belize, I'll definitely be sure I wear insect repellent at all times. Human botflies are native to Mexico and Central and South America. When traveling in these regions, the best way to avoid the botfly maggot and other mosquito-borne infections is to wear deep-based insect repellent on all exposed parts of the skin. There's just no way to get this out. That's when it really hit me on how bad this disease was. Sharon Fry lives in Davenport, Iowa, on the banks of the Mississippi River. She is a single mom raising two kids. My kids have always been first in my life. I work a daytime job, typical nine to five. And then when I get home from work, I cook dinner and take care of the kids. Despite their six-year age difference, 19-year-old Cody and 13-year-old Ashley are very close. We used to play video games. We used to go outside all the time. It was fun. Sharon's son, Cody, is pursuing his passion, taking a course in video game design at a local community college. I was very proud of Cody for going to college. He wanted to actually study over in Japan, the major gaming area. So he had a goal in life. One evening in spring, Cody and Ashley are at home playing video games. I was about to go to sleep, and I seen my brother Cody wander into the bathroom, and I just thought nothing of it. And then all of a sudden, I just hear, like, this big cough. <laughs> and then he threw up. I was worried because I don't know what's wrong with him, but I was thinking it was a flu or something. Cody's fits of coughing and vomiting continue for several weeks. It just kept progressing and getting worse. Ashley approaches her brother about his illness. I kept asking him if he was okay, but he just kept giving me the same answer, like, Ashley, I'm fine, don't worry about it. But Ashley can't help but be concerned. I waited a couple more days, and then I confessed up to my mom and told her everything that I was seeing. Sharon immediately confronts Cody. I said, what is going on? Are you sick or is there something that you need to tell me? And that's when he finally confided in me that he was vomiting multiple times during the day. That's when I did step in. I'm like, we need to get this taken care of and find out what's wrong with you. Sharon takes Cody to the family doctor. They took his blood pressure. Blood pressure was fine. His vitals were fine. There was no temperature, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. So with little to go on, the doctor suggests there may be a simple explanation for Cody's coughing and vomiting. The doctor was thinking that it was allergies. So he did suggest us to buy an over-the-counter medication. Cody takes the medication. 
But a week later, there is no improvement. So Sharon takes Cody back to the doctor. I said, you know, this stuff's not working. Need to find out what's going on. The doctor tells Cody to step on the scale. They are surprised to see over the last several weeks, he has lost nearly 40 pounds. I was like, you know, wow, Cody, I didn't realize that's how much weight you've been losing. The doctor suggested that it could possibly be hyperthyroidism. Hyperthyroidism is a condition in which the body's metabolism becomes overactive. It often leads to sudden weight loss. So the doctor orders a test to check for the condition. But it comes back negative. At this point, I was getting very frustrated. We've been dealing with this for the last few months. Nothing seems to be working. We really need to find out what's going on with Cody. Baffled by Cody's mysterious illness, the doctor orders a blood test and a CT scan of his chest. I was just hoping that they would find something. At least we can get some answers. The doctors complete the scan. Cody and his mom head home. A few hours later, the phone rings. The doctor called us that afternoon and said that they found a mass in his chest area, but he did not know what it was. I was saying, what, what's in the middle of my son's chest? You know, what's going on? A few days later, Sharon takes the sick Cody to the hospital to undergo a biopsy on the mass in his chest. Surgeons make a small incision at the base of his neck and take a sample of the mass from his upper chest. The doctor came into the waiting room and said that he was able to get some good biopsies. But he also said it looked like something that he has not seen before. The staff sends the sample off to the lab. Examining the tissue is Dr. Mark Iannatoni. The specimen showed a large amount of scar tissue. This was a very dense mass. It's much more like a hardened leather than it is like a soft-boiled egg. And we needed to figure out what this was. Dr. Iannatoni pours over the medical research. But Cody's condition continues to deteriorate. He's not getting any relief. He's still vomiting. He's still coughing. At this point, I was getting more worried about finding out what's going on. When Dr. Ianna Tony reaches a diagnosis, he has the family drive 60 miles back to Iowa City to meet with him personally. We met with Cody and we told him that he had the diagnosis of histoplasmosis. Histoplasmosis is caused by the fungus Histoplasma capsulatum. Inside Cody's body, the fungal spores invade the air sacs in his lungs. There, the fungus morphs into a yeast form and triggers inflammation in his chest cavity. Over time, a massive scar tissue builds up around the arteries surrounding his heart, pushing against the airways into his lungs, leading to his severe coughing, vomiting, and difficulty breathing. We had to tell Cody that this was a life-threatening and probably fatal disease. It was very, very emotional time for us. What makes the histoplasmosis fungus so terrifying is that the infection can cause significant scarring in the lungs. And in extreme cases, scarring can even wrap around the vital organs in the chest, potentially 
leading to respiratory and cardiac failure and ultimately death. Saving Cody's life will not be easy. His mass is located right at the central portion of his heart and the major blood vessels that come out. If they were to go in there and try and cut through it, they can cut an artery and Cody would die on the table. There's just no way to get this out. There's very limited medical therapy, and basically we have no alternatives. To slow the growth of the mass in his chest, doctors prescribe antifungal medications. For a few months, there is some improvement. Then, Sharon takes Cody back to the hospital for a follow-up bronchoscopy. We took Cody back to the room, and, you know, they got him set up for the bronchoscopy, and we were asked to go wait out in the waiting room. Doctors take Cody into the exam room. But a half hour into the procedure, Sharon receives startling news. The doctor came into the waiting room and told us that uh, while Cody was under and getting the bronchoscopy, that he went into one of his coughing attacks and had dislodged a blood clot. He said that they took him immediately out of the surgery room and sent him up to ICU. When Sharon and Ashley arrive on Cody's floor, they are met with a disturbing sight. I pulled back the curtain. They had Cody in a chemically induced coma. He had a breathing tube down his throat. He was hooked up to machines, unresponsive. And that's when it really hit me on how bad this disease was. I was really scared that he wasn't going to wake up. I thought I was going to lose my brother. Just seeing your son, seeing your child laying in a bed like that, not knowing if he's going to survive or not. So that was what was the hardest part. For nearly two weeks, his life hangs in the balance. Then the doctors notice something encouraging. He finally stopped coughing up the blood. And so then the doctor said, okay, well, if he continues to do this overnight, then we'll let him wake up and take him off the breathing tube. The next day, Cody wakes from his coma. I was just so grateful just to see his blue eyes and see him looking and communicating with me in any way he could. Waking up and seeing my mom, it was a relief that I had people there with me instead of being alone. But 13 days of your life that you're sleeping through without remembering it, that kind of hit me hard. But how did Cody contract histoplasmosis? The histoplasmosis fungus is often found in soil that is contaminated with bird or bat feces. A person can become infected with the fungus if they inhale the spores. And the family believes he got the infection on a trip to a nearby cave. The caves are full of bats, and we did go there. But it's one of those things where we don't know. We don't know how he inhaled it, where he inhaled it. Today, Cody is 22 years old, and he's not letting his illness stop him from pursuing his dreams. Right now, I'm doing good. I'm planning on going back to school if everything turns out right. But the fungal mass is still inside him. Even if we treat him with antifungals for the rest of his life, 
he's one of those people, for whatever reason, the disease has taken hold of him and there's no way to eradicate it. I know that they can't treat the disease itself, but I know that they are going to try everything they can to help him live a better life. And that I am so grateful for. And, you know, he's got me and his sister to stand by him and help him through it. Histoplasmosis can be found throughout the world. In the United States, it's considered endemic in the Ohio and Mississippi River Valleys. There, it's thought that between 50% and 80% of the population has been exposed to the fungus at some point in their lifetime. However, only a tiny proportion of these people will be significantly affected because the body's immune system is usually capable of fighting off the fungus. To avoid becoming infected, it's a good idea to stay away from areas with large accumulations of bird or bat droppings. People who work in such environments can minimize their chances of inhaling the fungus by wearing protective masks. Deanna and Travis Beese live in the small rural town of Fairburn, South Dakota. There, they run a 24,000-acre ranch. Helping them with the farm's upkeep are their five children, Carly, Haley, Jaden, Traven, and Maddie. We run about 1,300 cows and around six, 700 yearlings. My kids have always been expected to help with the ranch. But while four of the beast kids work on the farm, 15-year-old Maddie prefers more social activities. I'm more of a town girl than like a country ranch girl. I just don't care to do cow stuff or any of that. Maddie's reluctance to do chores on the farm annoys her oldest sister, Carly. I always have to go out and help my dad, and somehow Maddie just has never had to help. <laughs> it gets kind of frustrating. I honestly have no idea how she does it. Wish I knew how sometimes. <laughs> but Maddie's independent spirit is about to get a reality check. It's summer. Maddie is visiting her grandparents. They're catching up over dinner. Oh, uh, we went in and started eating, but I had a really bad sore throat. It was unbearable, so I didn't really eat at all because my throat hurt so bad. I didn't really think it was a big deal. I was like, oh, I'll get over it in like a day and I'll be fine. So I just sat there and just waited for everybody to get done. The next day, Maddie returns home. When she came home to the ranch, she just went straight to her bed and laid down. I started getting a headache. I just started feeling pressure just like in the front of my head. It was really horrible. She didn't think much about it. She just was not feeling well. But Maddie's sister Carly takes a different view. We were just kind of like, Madison, suck it up. You'll be fine. It's not that big of a deal. Don't be such a drama queen. They just thought that I was faking it. I was upset about it. It was definitely painful. <laughs> to combat her headache, Maddie takes ibuprofen. But later that evening, she's still no better. I started feeling nauseated. She came down from upstairs and laid on the couch. I don't even think I attempted to move. I just threw up on the floor. 
I thought, oh, she's probably got some strep throat going on or something, you know, and we weren't going to be able to take care of it with ibuprofen. Deanna takes Maddie to the local clinic. They did a strep test, which was negative. I was confused because I just was tired of being sick after like two days already. I just wanted to feel better. The doctor gives Maddie a shot for her nausea. We were just hoping with the help of that shot, she would come home and sleep it off and start feeling better the next day. Deanna takes Maddie home. But in the middle of the night, a troubling sound wakes up Deanna. She was just crying, like uncontrollably, just crying because everything hurt so bad. She looked terrible. She was very pale. I didn't have like any energy to move or anything. My body just like hurt. We were very worried that she was getting worse. So I knew we had to do something else. Deanna and Carly rush Maddie to the emergency room. But on the way, they encounter an unexpected problem. I went about seven miles of gravel road. And every time I would hit a bump, I mean, she would cry. Everything just hurt. I was laying down in the car and it felt like we were on a roller coaster ride. I was freaking out because I could have swore we were hitting every bump possible. She kept saying, what if I die? Like, what if something really is wrong with me? I think she might have been exaggerating a little bit that she thought she was dying. They arrive at the hospital at 2 a.m. They checked her vitals and they checked her blood pressure and that was very low. I mean, like, alarmingly low. Low blood pressure can reduce oxygen flow to the vital organs. It can be a sign of an infection. Doctors run a battery of tests. But all the tests came back negative, and so they decided to keep me since they didn't know why I was so sick. Maddie stays in the pediatric ICU overnight. The following morning, pediatric specialist Dr. Lynn Simmons takes on Maddie's case. She was pale. She was dizzy. She was very uncomfortable. Unsure of what's causing Maddie's symptoms, Dr. Simmons takes a precautionary approach. We started her on broad-spectrum antibiotics to keep her, you know, from deteriorating. The medication seems to help. The following day, Maddie's father, Travis, gives the rest of the family a break and stays by Maddie's bedside when things take a dramatic turn. I was just sitting there, and she just kind of gradually got worse. My headaches were just getting worse, and they were horrible, and it like, made my jaw hurt, too, and that was like unbearable. They were giving her morphine because nothing else would help. It's pretty scary seeing your kid in a hospital being sick and you don't know what's wrong. I mean, you really start to worry when you see your kid laying there and, and, uh, and they're hurting. Then, a set of blood test results reveal an excessively high white blood cell count. We didn't know immediately what it was, but we knew we had something serious. Travis immediately calls Deanna. I got a call from Travis. He said there's something in her blood. They don't know what it is. I remember him saying specifically, this is the kind of stuff kids die from if they don't get a hold on it right away. Deanna and Carly race back to her bedside. And they had stuff hooked to her. You know, she had the IVs and 
and all kinds of stuff. She had taken a huge downturn from when I had left her a full day before. When she sees her sick sister, Carly is stunned. Maddie was laying on her bed and she was completely lifeless. It was shocking how much she had changed in that little amount of time. At this point, I knew that she was sick and I knew that she really did not feel good. Then I kind of felt bad for being mean about it. I was getting a little scared at this point, not knowing what was going on. I had that in my mind every day that, is Madison going to recover from this? Is she going to be able to fight this battle? The next day, the blood test results come in, and Dr. Simmons has a stunning diagnosis. We came to the conclusion that she was suffering from Lemire syndrome. What is that doing in my daughter's body? Lemire syndrome is caused by Fusobacterium necroforum. Inside Maddie's body, the bacteria latches on to the lining of her jugular vein, forming an infected blood clot. As the clot grows, bacteria start to break off and form new clots across her body, depriving her vital organs of oxygen and nutrients, leading to her headaches, nausea, and overwhelming body pain. It's something that's so rare and never hardly heard of. So, of course, you always think the worst. The frightening thing about Fusobacterium necroforum is that the infection can deprive organs of blood, causing tissues to rot and potentially leading to septic shock. Some studies indicate that when left untreated, the mortality rate is as high as 90%. I was just shaky. When they start talking about possibly things that could kill your child, that is very scary. Holy smokes. This is, this is nasty stuff. And x-rays show the bacterial clots are everywhere. She clearly had infectious sites all over her chest. She had infectious fluid building up between her lung and the inside of her chest wall. It's, um... Pretty startling. Those thoughts always go through your mind that you might be able to lose one of your kids. Just pray and hope for the best. I mean, what else can you do? That was the most heart-wrenching for me, I think, was just seeing my child when they put a chest tube in to drain some of that fluid off. For 10 days, doctors continually drain the fluids from Maddie's chest to prevent her lungs from collapsing. But treating this system-wide infection isn't easy. It can be difficult to get it cleared, especially once it's in clots, like it was in Maddie in her neck and in her chest. To save Maddie's life, Dr. Simmons inserts a pick line in her arm straight to her heart. We had to start her on blood thinners so that the clot would dissolve. That was pretty scary. For several days, Maddie is in and out of consciousness as doctors monitor her progress. But how did Maddie contract the Fusobacterium necroforum infection? It's generally the case that there's infection in the throat, and that's often what the first symptoms are. This bacteria, they live in your body, 
and something happened to weaken an area and allowed the infection to move in. Why exactly Maddie got this is unclear. It's not known exactly what factors are involved when the bacteria cross from the throat into the blood, triggering Lemire's syndrome. Some researchers have speculated that having a weakened immune system as a result of a previous illness may play a part. Then, after two and a half weeks in the hospital, Maddie's condition starts to improve. I finally started feeling better. Like the last couple of days is when it finally kicked in. And I was like, finally, this is over and I'm going to go home soon. And her turnaround is dramatic. <laughs> She'd actually walk with me and she could take some steps of her own. So that was great. When I would like walk further, all the nurses were like cheering, clap. <laughs> it was like a ton of bricks got lifted off of it. After three weeks in the hospital, doctors give her the all-clear and send her home. Oh, it was amazing. I was so excited to go home. It was, like, the best day ever. Just knowing that Madison was going to be okay was, like, beyond words. It was the best feeling. Today, Maddie is back in school. She has put her battle with Lemire syndrome behind her. Madison's doing great now. She's just a good-spirited 16-year-old girl. <laughs> Madison is back to her sassy self. I mean, she's the same as she was before she left. Maybe a little worse, who knows, but... <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely got my personality back. The presence of Fusobacterium in the throat of a healthy person is not a cause for concern. But in recent years, the number of cases of Lemire's has been rising. Some researchers have suggested this may be because of reduced use of antibiotics to treat sore throats. For more blood-curdling monsters and their hideous habits, visit our website, animalplanet.com slash monstersinsideme. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.